loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting. Your word declares to us that every good and every perfect gift comes down from you, the Father of lights, in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. I thank you you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. That which you had planned for our life to redeem our life from destruction, that we might walk in fellowship with you and fulfill a divine destiny, destiny. And not only fulfill a divine destiny, but be fully filled with that very life and nature that you created us to be filled with your life, your nature. No longer bound by sin and its results. No longer dictated to by the guilt and the shame of the past but washed by the blood, restored to relationship, given insight and vision for the future and the hope and expectation that you have designed for us. So today, Holy Spirit, grant unto us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you are, that in that revelation of who you are and who we are in you, the strategies of the enemy cannot prevail, that we rise above and learn how to operate with the keys of the kingdom, to take what you've already bound in heaven and bind it on earth, what you've loosed from heaven, we loose it on the earth, that your kingdom come and your will be done right here on earth, right here in the western slope of Colorado, right here in New Creation Church as it is in heaven. So we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to encounter, to have relationship, to guide, to instruct to lead each and every one into the life that the blood of Jesus purchased for them. That salvation, deliverance, wholeness, healing, prosperity, and goodness that was released when Christ raised from the dead to all who will believe. I thank you. You minister that to every heart and every life. And we give you the praise. We give you the honor. We give you the glory for everything that will be accomplished in every heart and in every life, by your word and by your spirit, in Jesus' name, and everyone who greets it, amen. amen. Good morning, church, once again. Welcome. It's good to see you. We want to welcome everybody who's watching online. We want to welcome you. We want to welcome our Meeker campus. Uh, we're glad that you are with us today. Praise the Lord. Since I have this Mark Hankin voice, I think it's only appropriate that we start off with a Bubba joke. And so Bubba and Johnny Ray were sitting on the porch one day. And while they were sitting on the porch, this big semi went by with a load of sod on it. And Bubba says to Johnny Ray, when I uh, win the lottery, I'm going to do that. And Johnny Ray said, do what? And he said, send my grass out to get it mowed. Look at somebody next to you and say, the life of God dwells in me, and the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory under every circumstance, in every situation, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. You can open your Bibles to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Before we get into the word this morning, uh, I want to make sure that we, we carve out time uh, just right here um, uh, to acknowledge and then to send out uh, Jim and Vicki Siminski. Uh, they are moving to Florida. 
And so we are glad for whatever the next step that God has for them. We are sad uh, that they are leaving. They have been such a, a tremendous and vital part of New Creation Church. When we talk about 40 years of what God has done and, and how we got to where we are today, they've been a, a tremendously vital part of helping us get to where we are today. They've been faithful. They've served in a number of areas of, of leadership and ministry. Uh, I was just talking to Jim yesterday. We were trying to figure out what year, but my second trip to Kenya, Africa, we took a team, and Jim was on that team uh, when we went to Kenya, Africa, and uh, that was just an awesome trip uh, that we took there. And so they've been a part of missions. And then, uh, you know, as we were establishing different uh, areas of ministry, uh, him and Vicki uh, took over the outreach ministry. And so those of you that have been here a while and know uh, our Easter egg hunt, uh, you know that we've affected uh, thousands of families have come out uh, for the Easter egg hunt and then come back on Sunday morning. A number of kids, children have given their life to the Lord because they came to the Easter egg hunt. And so and that was Jim's idea. And so we started out, Jim's like, I got an idea. And I'm like, hmm, okay, uh, Easter egg hunt. And so I knew some people would like it. Some people wouldn't like it, um, you know, just because of how people are. But I said, well, let's go ahead and give her a try. So we thought we'd start out small. And the first year that we started out, um, we, got, we thought we had it handled. Uh, we did it right here in, in the, on the front porch and did some things. And uh, lo and behold, people came out from everywhere and uh, People had to run to City Market to get candy because once the gun went off and they went out there, kids were coming down the hill crying because they didn't get any candy. We thought, oh, no, man, what we designed to be a blessing. Kids are going home crying. So we run people, don't, don't leave. Come on, we, we're going to get some candy so every child can be blessed. And so, you know, the Bible says never despise the day of small beginnings. So we started out that way, but it just continued to grow and grow and minister to families. They did that. Vicki uh, started for a number of years. We have teachers, you know, we're so grateful for our teachers throughout our community. And so at the start of school year, right, it was at the start of school years. I always have to make sure that I don't get things wrong. Uh, and uh, got a team together, and they packed baskets of goodies and all kinds of stuff and took them out to the teachers to minister. And so they've been a, a vital part, not just of the day-to-day, -day, uh, every week, but in reaching out. And, uh, you know, that's part of our mission, to love, lift, and reach people. And that's been their heart, and we are so glad. We're going to miss you guys uh, tremendously. Uh, Jim, if you don't know, you can go into the bookstore. He wrote a book uh, called The Hoax. It has nothing to do with the election. Um, and so... So you can, be, you can feel safe about that. It has nothing to do with that. It actually is a book on miracles and faith. It's a novel, uh, but man, it is just faith-filled. He gave it to me. You know, we were running around, and he's like, did you read it yet? Did you read it yet? I'm like, no, I haven't read it yet. And so I told him, I said, listen, we're going to go on vacation for a week, and I'm just going to be laying around. I'm going to read your book. And man, I read that book. I was fired up. I came home and thought, man, we're going to have miracles everywhere. It's just so filled with faith. Uh, even if it's a novel, if you read it, you just start getting filled with faith, anticipating miracles. And he said he's going to get down to Florida and write some more books. And so we just want to pray them out and uh, send them blessed. They've been such a blessing to us. We believe there's a grace upon New Creation Church. So wherever you go, you can take that grace, that empowerment, that anointing with you and have an impact where you go. So why don't you guys come up here? We'll have everybody pray with you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Why don't you stand up, stretch your hands out here. Why don't you all face them? I'll, I'll come in from behind. Glory to God. Father, we just thank you. We pray for Jim and Vicki right now. Father, we thank you. 
God, we thank you for divine relationships. We thank you for divine connections. In the years that, uh, man, you've just uh, had them pour their life into New Creation Church, we hope that what we've poured into them, uh, that there's just been a divine connection of uplift, of building up, uh, of the Word of God and faith in their heart. And so, Father, we just pray right now that there's a special anointing that comes upon them by the Spirit of God, a grace for the next place, an ability to fulfill and to see that it's not over. It's really just a new phase is beginning and that you have your hand on this new beginning. And, Father, so I thank you that they'll uh, find a body to connect with. God, that they'll bring their gifts, they'll bring their abilities into that place to cause it to further and to grow the kingdom of God. Father, I pray over them health, healing, and safety in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that you have kept them safe even through difficult things in moving already. Angels have guarded round about them, and I thank you it'll come to fruition that no sickness or plague comes near their dwelling place. So we just thank you, Lord, that they are graced for this next place. They are equipped to bring the love of God and a revelation of who Jesus is to those who may not know you. That they'll have a place of influence that you place them in, and they'll influence those around them with godliness in the kingdom of God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. I'm going to give you a hug. Glory to God. We love you guys. Praise the Lord. We'll give them a hand as they're seated. Make sure when the service is over there uh, uh, to give them a hug. Uh, wherever you're at, pound it, do whatever. But let them know how much you appreciate them being here. And you say, well, I'm just here. I don't know that. Well, a lot of things are happening and available for you because they were here and uh, put their supply, put their stamp uh, they're gifting uh, uh, on New Creation Church, and uh, it makes a difference. Each and every member makes a difference. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we're going to pick up here. We, we, uh, uh, we're here last week. We're, we're just going to kind of go with that theme uh, because we're talking about the church. And so Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Clarence Jordan's translation says it like this, faith is turning dreams into deeds. It's betting your life on unseen realities. Break, if you break it down into a word study, it says more like this. Now, the conviction of the truthfulness of God and his word is the foundation for the things that you have confident expectation for. It's the proof of what you do not see. So faith is vital to us, even as we talked last week about how God brought things forth. We didn't even know what he was doing, right? We couldn't even see it from here. When we started pastoring uh, New Creation Church, you know, uh, what I could see, really see in my heart, boy, if we just got to 150 people and, and got that stabilized in some way, we would be doing good. Well, God saw something much bigger than that. Thank God. So he brought uh, uh, about something we didn't see at the time. We had a vision. We desired to build what God told us to build, but we couldn't see it. But as we continued to pray and walk by faith, we began to bring what we did not see into the scene. 
So it's so much like, you know, if you were going to get a road map and, and drive somewhere, go on a trip somewhere, you know, you're, you're counting on the fact that you're going to get to something that you don't see. You might see it on the map. So if you were going to go west, you know, and just say, you know what, we want to go on a trip. We're going to go to San Diego. Uh, but, you know, we're going to go on I-70. Well, you don't see San Diego right now. In fact, you don't even see Green River. But as you look at the map and you understand where you need to go and you chart out where you're going to stop for gas and what you're going to do, all of a sudden you start to live and you start to move and you start to come upon things that, yes, you understand are out there, but you didn't see them when you left. But then all of a sudden, because you're driving, you're moving in the way that you should go. You're moving in the way that you should go. You come upon those things you did not see when you started. But yet you had an expectation. We're going to get to San Diego. And we have an expectation if we're going to get to San Diego on I-70, we got to go through Green River. Right? And, and, and all the other towns on the way, you know, get to I-15. I you go down there and uh, go through different towns. I, I had one in my mind that just ran right out. Um, but, you know, uh, you got to go through St. George, Utah. And so all of a sudden, you're looking at the map, and you're like, all right, we have an expectation. In fact, we have an expectation we're going to stop for gas here in Green River. And then, you know, we might stop for the night uh, in St. George and then pick up the next day. But we're, we have an expectation of getting to San Diego, but we don't see San Diego from there. And so really, unless you've been there before, what makes you think that San Diego is actually there? You've never seen it. You've never been there. But you tell everybody, we're going to San Diego on vacation. We're going to go to SeaWorld. You ever seen SeaWorld? Maybe not, but you believe it's there. And you launch out in your car with expectation that SeaWorld is there. San Diego is there. On the way, there's some things on the way. You don't see it, but you have expectation. And faith is that way. God's made us promises. He's given us a roadmap. He's given us things. And sometimes people quit. They, well, I can't see that. I can't see healing. I can't see deliverance. I can't see freedom from sin. I can't see those things. But see, if your destination is depth of relationship with God, faith in God, I want to have a relationship with God that he planned. Then on the way to that destination, on the way of that growing relationship with God, you're going to come upon deliverance from sin. You're going to come upon healing for your body. You're going to come upon wisdom concerning the call of God on your life. You're going to come upon understanding what God's put on the inside of you to minister to others. And see, sometimes we just think, you know, I'm going to go to San Diego, but we stop in Green River, and we never get to San Diego, even though we told everybody we're going there. Why? Because we stopped at one of the destinations, and we got our eyes on Green River instead of San Diego. Sometimes the goal starts out relationship with God, but then we get our eyes on something else. We get our eyes on a detour, and we never enter into that place of depth of relationship with God. But as long as we keep our eyes on and our faith on what he has said, that we've been reconciled to God. Faith begins right there with believing that Jesus died to break the power of sin over your life that separated you from God. And once that power was broken, you've been reunited to God as sons and daughters. Now, if our faith is in that, we realize that reconciliation is right relationship. So I want to experience 
the most out of that relationship that I can. And the devil's going to say, well, you can't do that. Just, just hang on till you get to heaven. But God says, no, you don't have to hang on. We can experience relationship right now. And everything that you have need of, everything that you have need of is all encompassed and active in the knowledge of me. In other words, experience, experiential knowledge of me. In other words, diving deeper into relationship with me. Right? If you enter into a relationship only because of what somebody can do for you, it's the, the relationship gets limited. But when you just desire to get into a relationship because of who somebody is and who you are and get that relationship, then the deeper you go in that relationship, the more you partake of really all that they have and all that they are. But see, even in relationship, we get sidetracked that way. And so here he's just saying that really faith in God will take you from uh, to an expectation, an expectation of getting to a place in your life of relationship with God that is so wonderful, that is so beautiful, that every day, every way, wherever you are, whatever you do, you know you can call on him. Even if you make the biggest mistake in the world, I can call on him. Well, what if he's not there? Well, see, that's why you got to get to know him. Because he said, he said, I will never, ever, 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 ever. So they didn't want to write that in the Bible because it would take up too much space. But they used a Greek word that if you read it, it says that. Never, ever, 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 ever. I'll never, ever leave you. And I will never, ever, 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 ever forsake you. So even when you have forsaken him and you make the biggest mistake in all the world and go, that was a dumb thing that I did. I went away from you. And you turn around immediately you find out he was with you all the way. So if he was with me all the way, why didn't he keep this from happening? Because he gave you a will of your own, and you were double dog destined to make a mess of it. Come on. I mean, he tried to give you things all the way along the road. Don't do that. Don't make that decision. Forgive that person. Don't do that. Don't get involved with that crowd. He was, he was talking all the way. He's in your ear. He never leaves you or forsakes you. He's sending people. Don't do that. Ah, you don't know nothing. God's whispering in your ear. This isn't going to turn out bad. I know what I'm doing. Just leave me alone, God. And then all of a sudden, and you're like, where's God? But if you turn around, he's right there. Right there. If you have faith in him. Because he said he'd never leave you or forsake you. So he's there to bring you to not only expectation, but if you'll carry it through with him, you'll go to manifestation. And he said between expectation and manifestation, you're liable to run into some trials and tests. He said, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. You can come out the other side. So the devil will come and see, find out if you really believe that I'm with you every day. He's coming to find out, do you really believe what I told you to do? Do you really believe it? Because if the devil can get you to quit, he will. But if he can't get you to quit, and you say, there's no way I can quit. And Jesus is with me. The Holy Spirit's empowering me. I'm anointed to get this thing done. There's no way I can quit. No matter how difficult the trial, I cannot quit. You come out the other side and you learn stuff. 
that you otherwise wouldn't learn. So he goes on to say, you know, by faith, in verse 2, by faith the elders obtained a good testimony. And then he says, by faith we understand. I like that. Last Sunday night, Pastor Craig said, by faith we understand things we don't understand. Why? Because there's things you understand by faith that apply to the spiritual that actually cause you to understand why the natural is doing what it's doing. When you have faith in God, he starts to show you things that pertain to eternity, and you begin to understand why things are happening right now to either fold into eternity or try to stop you from the eternal plan of God. But it's by faith that we understand. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen are not made of things which are visible. All right, so open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Now, I'm going to read a lot here, and uh, hopefully I won't run out of time. I'm going to try to just read this. I'm, I'm really going to do my best just to read this and then go back. But sometimes when I read it, I get thrown off track. All right, so he says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, see right there. Now, I'll keep going. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher. <laughs> Thank you. I thought somebody should laugh at that, but not too many. Um, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Now, I just got to stop there. Come on, you got to understand this. Jesus sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. He said, what it, what it took, what was needed to redeem you, 100%, break the power of sin over your life, break the power of your past, take the power of guilt and shame, take all the authority that the devil has exercised to kill, to steal, and destroy, Jesus died, shed his blood, broke the power of that, sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat, ascended into heaven, and sat down saying, the price is paid, the work is finished, now it's just up to you, church, to believe it and exercise it in your life. Come on, if he hadn't sat down yet, we'd wonder, is he done? But he sat down. Right? He said the price is paid on the cross. He said it's finished. But when he sat down, he said, now it's up to you. Now it's up to you. I'm right here. Whatever you ask in my name to fulfill my plan, the Father will do it in my name. Whatever you ask me to complete the commands that I've given to you, the call that I've given to you, whatever you ask, I'll do it. You say, how's he going to do it? Because he's seated at the right hand of majesty on high. And when God looks over at him in that place of authority, he actually sees you in him. And we know that and we believe that, that he ran that. He sat down. He finished the course. And we are engrafted into him. And we think Jesus has authority. God says, yes, he does. And you are in my body. So you have authority over whatever the enemy does to try to stop you from fulfilling my divine purpose. Verse 3, for consider him, speaking of Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. 
And you've forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there from a father that a father does not chasten or correct? But if you are without chastening, if you're sitting there right now and saying, well, I don't, God doesn't correct me, then you're not a son. All right, let's go on. See, it's never not that great to stop in the middle. Uh, Said, so God deals with you as sons. For what son is there among you a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate, not sons. He said, listen, all sons have partaken of chastening. So if you didn't, you're illegitimate. Verse 9, furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit, but he for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening seems to be joyous for the present, but it's painful. So when chastening comes and you're like, oh, this is painful, well, then you got it. It's pretty good chastening. If you're like, I got corrected and it didn't really bother me too much. It's kind of like the mother, you know. My, my mom has a grandmother paddle. It's some weak little stick with a pillow on it. Now listen, if that's your spiritual correction, you better watch out. Because he said, all correction from God is a little bit painful to your flesh. But God's producing something in that. God's producing something. He said, now everything uh, doesn't seem joyful, right? It's not, whoo, praise the Lord, I just got a spanking from God. No, he said it seems pay painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Now listen to this. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make straight your paths. Make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, by this many become defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward he wanted to inherit the blessing. He was rejected for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Now listen, for you have not come to the mountain that may not be touched and that burned with fire and the blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the words should not be spoken to them anymore. In other words, the Old Testament people said, well, we're scared about God on the mountain. He said, for they could not endure what was commanded. And if so, uh, if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned and shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion, 
and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn. Come on. You're not coming to dead religion. You are coming to a place that God has designed. God's heavenly city amongst an innumerable company of angels. You have come to the church of the living God. Thank you for your enthusiasm. You have come to the church of the living God. When he says you're going to run your race, what race are we running? We are running in a place where we are the church of the living God. We're not coming to dead religion. We are coming into the church of the living God. And this church will remain forever. There's some people who are like, I love God, but I'm trying to get away from the church. You can't get away from the church. If you love God and live in salvation, you keep running into the church. Because in the end, in the heavenly Jerusalem, there will be the church. Glory to God. Listen to this. The general assembly and the church of the firstborn who is registered in heaven. The church is registered in heaven. To God, the judge of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to blood, the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than Abel. Listen, we've been called to such a thing. And so when he says, run your race, you've heard by faith your, your call, you're running a race. He says, here's what we're running our race for. Paul said, I'm pressing towards the prize of the mark of the high calling that's in Christ Jesus. We are pressing towards that completeness. We are pressing towards that heavenly Jerusalem. We are pressing towards the manifestation of the sons of God, the church of the living God. We are pressing into God's design for his body. And so we can't get outside of that. We press into it that the fulfillment of it might become greater and more excuse me, the revelation of it better than we've ever seen before. Our place in the body, the function of the body. Jesus isn't doing anything without his body. That our race is to build the church. And you can't build the church except by faith. Because there's things that we don't yet see as we looked at 40 years ago, things we don't yet see. There's things that we still don't yet see, but we know that we're running to the heavenly Jerusalem. We're not running to religion. We are running to this place where there's the living God and there's the angelic help that exists and there's the church, the body of Jesus Christ. And there is him, the mediator between God and man. We are pressing in our race towards something that is amazing, something that is fulfilling, something that is dynamic. It's not religion, and it's not simply relationship for us. It's a relationship for a lost and a dying world to come to know him. So I'm going to give you these takeaways real quick. Come on, number one, when he starts... We're going to have to think about and process. Because you and I, if we're going to take it on, are going to have to commit to our race. Commit to our race. That's what he said. You're going to have to lay aside the sin and the weights which is easily beset you. 
He said, you're going to have to lay aside some things and commit to the race. So listen, he's talking to the church here, the Hebrew church here. He's not just talking to individuals, but he knows if individuals don't lay aside, the church can't lay aside. So as we are individually laying things aside, we'll begin to see as a church how we lay things aside. We become lighter. We become more streamlined. We become more efficient and effective in our generation. But if we're carrying all of our stuff into the church and trying to get stuff done in the church, it's a heavy weight that keeps besetting us. So we have to commit to lay aside all those other things and run our race run our race. We have to commit to look to Jesus and not others. Number two, you're going to have to be willing and ready to listen to those who have gone before. Those who have a testimony of the faithfulness of God, because when you commit to your race, the difficulty of committing to our race is like, uh, uh, I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if I can do it. But if you listen to somebody who's been there that can testify of the faithfulness of God, they will encourage you that you can do it with God, because God is faithful. You say, well, I don't have anybody who's gone before. Well, we just talked about 40 years. There's a lot of people here who've gone before. Some people quit their race because they didn't come and consult with somebody who had been through something difficult like they had and said, you can get through this. You don't have to pick up that offense. You don't have to let that tragedy knock you off course. I had somebody tell me just yesterday, they were talking to me, and they said, you know what? We had tragedy hit our family. And I remember this instance. They said, uh, uh, I came in and talked to you. Why do you have to keep teaching victory? I mean, I'm a little tired. Right now, I don't want to hear victory. And they said, you just looked at me like you do, like, well, I'm sorry, but we're going to teach victory. And this is their testimony. Enter tragedy and go, I don't want to hear about victory, but I'm going to keep coming to church because I've committed. And they heard victory and they heard victory. And they came out of tragedy. And right now, they said just, just last week, one of their employees came in troubled and got born again. And they said, we got so many people coming right now, we don't even know how to minister to all of them. We'd like to sit down and talk to you of how we minister. And they said, I know why we're at where we are, because you kept preaching victory through the blood of Jesus Christ. Come on. Sometimes you just have to know somebody ran the race before and they got through it. And so if you don't have anybody else that says, go ahead and consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. Because you haven't endured to that point. All right? So we not only have to listen to their testimony, but you have to be willing, if you're going to run this race, to commit to it, to listen to the testimonies of others and receive correction. Receive correction for the future. Because without correction, you won't end up at the finish line you'll end up in Kansas rather than San Diego. You know, we were, we were taking this trip. We thought we were taking this trip. Boy, I better hurry up. Uh, I thought we, were, we thought we were taking this trip. We were going with some friends, and uh, we thought we were going west on vacation. We all packed in the car. We're going. Tasha and I are just young. We're, we're kind of going along for the ride. We're excited. We pack in the car, and we get on I-70, and we start east. Something ain't right. 
So in a, in a great conversation ensues with the people that we're going to. One person thought we were going west, and one th- person thought we were going east. And we're just in the middle of it going, my God, how are we ever going to get east or west going east? And a lot of people have a goal to go with God, but they won't allow God to say, wait a minute, you're going east. And going east, you'll never get west. And we won't listen to that. We just keep going east, going east, and then saying, this faith stuff doesn't work. I never arrived at San Diego. I came to Kansas City. It didn't work. Well, yeah, you were headed east instead of west. But if you did just listen to the Holy Spirit, you'd have turned around. That's called repentance. We think of it as such a bad thing, but repentance is just turning around and going the other way and ending up where he tells us to end up. Number three, you can't allow bitterness to take hold. You can't allow bitterness and offense to take hold. It says it defiles many, many. Can't let bitterness take hold. Well, how am I going to do that? Well, he tells us. He said, you got to start lifting up the hands that hang down, strengthen the feeble knees. He's not just talking about your hands. He's talking about people. He's talking about members of the body. He's saying there's members of the body who have, let, who have relaxed and their hands are hanging down. And he said, as a body, you need to find those who have relaxed and begin to lift their hands up. As a body, we come and say, you know what? You've relaxed. How are we going to get back engaged in the race? How are we going to get your hands up? He said, now you've got to strengthen the feeble knees. There's people who are weak in faith, and they're going back to religion, or they're going back to the way they used to live. And he said, listen, those weak knees, you'll never get running, so you got to encourage people not to go back to where they came from, but encourage them because they are part of the body, and they are your legs, and they are your hands, and you have to do that so that you can make the way straight so that people don't stumble. And literally what he's saying, he's saying, if you don't get people who are in the body who are backsliding, who are relaxing, people who try to come into the body, the way won't be straight for them. They'll look and say, wait a minute, I thought I came into the church, the firstborn of Jesus Christ. I thought I came into a plan of God, and here's all these people backslidden. Here's all these people just lazy, laying around. That's just what the world's like, and it will become a stumbling block to them. So she said, now's the time, if we're going to come to this place, that the people who have relaxed, we need to get them back. Get them back to praying. Get them back to worshiping. Get them back. And the people who have backslidden, they've gone off, they've gone away, they've fallen into offense. What it is, we don't put stumbling blocks out there. We encourage them. And as the ones who are weak get strong, the feeble knees, it says, then you won't start moving in your trail and people start having stumbling blocks and then you become dislocated as a body. And when you become dislocated as a body, you really have to watch out for roots of bitterness rising up. When people come in and they start stumbling over the weak, stumbling over the relaxed, it's tough to not see bitterness arise. But he says that bitterness will defile many. He goes on to say this. We can't give up the, the, the fourth thing. You can't give up your birthright for one moment of your flesh. You can't give up your birthright for one moment of your flesh. If you read that, it sounds like that, that listen, Esau, he tried to come back to God, but God wouldn't let him. No, if you read it, 
Esau wanted his birthright back, but he couldn't get it because he kept blaming Jacob for him giving up his birthright. See, it goes along with that bitterness. He said, don't go ahead and be a fornicator. Don't, for one moment of your flesh, give up your birthright. Because when you give up your birthright, you'll find a way to blame others. That bitterness keeps going. Blame others, and you'll never find a place of repentance. Repentance is actually saying, I did it. I gave up my birthright. God, I'm sorry. Not blaming Jacob or someone else. Amen? And there's a reason for this. It's because God is bringing the church together to manifest a heavenly reality in these last days. That he's building something from heaven with you and I being living stones of that habitation that cannot be shaken. That cannot be shaken. That we come together and we understand that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come. Not what Bucky says about me, not what somebody else says about me, not what others do. We're coming together as the body because it's going to start shaken not only on earth but from heaven. And whatever can be shaken will be shaken. Anybody felt any shaking going on? Come on. And if we're not locked in, you'll get shaken loose. Say, yeah, but I don't want to be locked into some of those people. You're going to have to get over it because being locked into them is far better than being shaken off. Come on, God has something for us to do in the next 40 years if Jesus tarries. And we got here because there was unity in the body. There was strength. And we were running our race together. And he says, listen, the same principle is there. Believe me, I'm working. God says, believe me, I'm working to build my church. I'm working in you to bring out your gifts. I'm working in you to encourage others. I'm working in this body to bring it together to, into something that's more supernatural than you knew so that the, the manifestations, the healing power, the delivering power of God begins to move where there's unity. Where does the Holy Spirit move in the scripture? Where they were in one accord and in one place. Where there was unity in the body. That's where the Holy Spirit moved miraculously. Not where there was division, not where there was a schism, but where there was unity in the body. How do you get in unity in the body? You believe him. Not how you feel, not what you see, but you believe him. We set aside all the other stuff to say, listen, we are united together for an eternal purpose in God. And that if we'll set aside everything else, God will begin to reveal an eternal purpose above the temporary. And when we start to see that coming together, there is strength for us Strength through us, which creates strength for the lost and the dying who would never know Jesus except the church rise up and be the church. Amen? Why don't you stand up? Father, we thank you. We praise you and we glorify and we magnify you.